Hey, it's your bestie Lo. Welcome to Thrive with Lois, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the best version of yourself and to thrive in all areas of your life. You're here because you want to grow inside and out. So are you ready? Let's thrive together. Today, I am joined by a very special guest, Amy Barlow, who is an online coach. She is a functional fitness queen and an ADHD advocate. And I'm so, so thrilled to have her today. Amy. Thank you so much, Lois, and thanks for having me on today. I'm really excited. I am so excited to get into this conversation today. But before we do, I would love for you to tell everyone a little bit about yourself, what you do, your mission. Yeah, 100%. So as um, if some of you follow me on social media, and um, if not, then um, hi, welcome. Um, So yeah, my mission over the past year especially has been more so focused around raising as much awareness as I can about ADHD in women and how it can be managed through health and wellness and medication isn't necessarily just the answer. Um, My journey as you know through the fitness industry I've been a personal trainer for around nine years now so I've been in the industry for a while. Um, I actually started off as a performer before that so I moved to London at the the young age, I feel really old now, of um, 20 and I wanted to pursue a career in the West End. I did that for around two years uh, whilst working in a in a pub um, to try and support myself and then I realised that I really didn't want to just be that person that was, you know, waiting for my lucky break. So I took a step back from that and then focused on my fitness career. So that's kind of, yeah, the brief overview. <laughs> that's amazing. And um, we actually had the pleasure of meeting in person, didn't we, we at did. an event, a Protein Works event. We did, yeah. Not long ago as we're both working with Protein Works, which was nice. It's really nice when you talk to people online or you support them online mm-hmm. and then you actually meet them in real life and you're yeah. like, hey, yeah. like I feel like I know you. <laughs> it was really nice because you came up to me and you're like, you're Amy, right? You, you talk about ADHD on your page. And I was like, Lois. And then we just kind of hit it off from there didn't we yeah definitely and it's um been so nice just like getting to know more about you mm-hmm. and it really shines through on your instagram what your mission is and i really love how much awareness you are raising for adhd because you know i'm very new to having an adhd diagnosis and the only i think the only reason that i have got this diagnosis is because there is more and more awareness around it I think it kind of started with I was looking at a couple of TikTok reels and Mm. I was like fuck that's me (laughs) so and before but before that I was like I don't actually know what's going on I just Mm. thought oh this is just me I'm just a bit disorganized Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know so for now to see influencers like yourself like raising awareness for ADHD it's it's really you know amazing so when was you diagnosed so I was diagnosed at the age of 11 and to if I was to be brutally honest with you my diagnosis I I didn't register that a lot of things I was going through throughout my life and as an adult were because of my ADHD and that was really interesting for me because I would like to say, oh yeah, you know, I was diagnosed when I was younger and that's given me an all-round understanding from the age of 11 up until 29 of, you know, the ins and outs of what what my ADHD was causing as I was older. But it wasn't like that. I genuinely thought that I had ADHD and I had trouble concentrating. And that was what I thought up until probably 
two years ago, and especially in the past year, um, especially being in the relationship that I'm in now, my partner's very aware of things as well. He's also a coach. And there was a lot of stigma that we were talking about regarding things that were coming up about ADHD. And I started to understand that a lot of the things that I was doing were actually to do with the ADHD side of things. Yeah. So what have you kind of really noticed then over the last couple of years that you didn't know previously so I think a really big thing for me because I fun fact I was actually diagnosed with ADD when I was younger um I actually went to a yeah I went to see a psychiatrist my mum actually took me to see the psychiatrist because we thought I had dyslexia and ADHD and it just came out that it was ADD at the time um and then I did a re-diagnosis as an adult and they um diagnosed me with ADHD and now obviously the speculation as to how that is all very intertwined in itself um but i would say the biggest thing that i i would say the biggest thing that i noticed was the regulation of the emotions so as an adult especially in relationships i would have if there was a so say we know with certain relationships as you grow up as you know you're a teenager you go through heartache quite a lot you know, you meet people and it was my ability to, like, my inability to be able to change my, or deal with change with my thought process. And if somebody had a change in their sort of feelings towards myself or or just a change in a pattern in the relationship, it would cause me to have breakdowns, um, really, really bad breakdowns and I didn't understand why that was happening and it wasn't until I was reading up on, you know, emotional dysregulation that I understood that that was actually a part of ADHD that I didn't realise and then, so I would say that was one of the big things that stood out for me. Is your partner very supportive? Yes, hugely, hugely supportive and also I, I honestly didn't think I was going to find, not that I ever... <laughs> went into a a relationship previously thinking oh I've got ADHD I need to manage this but then obviously finding out more about it I'm very grateful that somebody wants to you know learn how to deal with the scenarios as opposed to sort of looking at it as potentially a hindrance. Mm. Do you feel when you were younger did you get much support from teachers or family how was that for you? Really interesting actually Um, so I got put into a private school pretty early on after my diagnosis to support and then it was quite evident that the the education standard in the private school wasn't enabling me to progress the way that I potentially should have so my parents made the decision to take me out and put me in a public school and I would say that that helped me to ground me and round me as a person because I had two very different scenarios. Um, but I would say the support from the education... The thing is, because ADHD as a kid, you know, if you're not throwing chairs around the classroom, then that's not, you know, that's not ADHD. And I was always a very attentive child, even though I wasn't retaining anything in the classroom. Yeah. So, Do you think... So was that you masking massively masking I would say and I didn't understand growing up you know what why I wasn't retaining information why I was 
slightly different and then obviously we we obviously are aware that the classic side to ADHD that a lot of women do experience is oh you're gifted you're talented you're special you know everybody loves you you're the favorite and there was a lot of pressure on that side of things growing up as well um that conditioned me to feel like that was the image that I had to uphold all the time it's a lot of pressure isn't it massive pressure massive it's not it's not something that you know I would wish upon anyone because you then grow up in your adult life putting yourself through extreme measures of stress and you sort of forget about your needs because you've been you know influenced all your life that I don't I don't know whether it's because as a neurodivergent we are able to emotionally connect to others we're very good in social situations and we we just have something about us that people are intrigued about but then that with that comes the stigma of oh you know you're you are that person mm. would you say you could walk into a room and read everyone's emotion in that room massively and do you absorb those emotions as well oh like 10 times over and that's something as a coach that I'm still struggling with now. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. And I think as well, like you were saying, when you notice that irregularities, especially in relationships or friendships, or when you feel like you're getting different vibes or different emotions, you know, you can, you can just, you just know when maybe the vibe is off or when there's a change in behaviour or something's just not right. Like, we know we can pick it up like that. And it's like our, it's like that gut feeling, isn't it? Oh, my God. Such, I ha- and sometimes I hate it. Yeah. I hate it because I know before it's happened mm. and I ignore. Yeah, I'm the same. It's really interesting. Yeah. Like, and the amount of times over the years I've, like, something's just hit me or, like, somebody who, like, who has this inner, you know, whatever they're going through or they're not a nice person, potentially, that I will feel that and it will hit me right in my, in the top of my stomach and it feels like somebody is just, like, punched and I think, oh, God, like, what, like, these emotions are really hard to, yeah, really hard to you know hold on to and you can't no matter how hard you try to like enter not internalize them you can't it's a blessing but a curse isn't it massively it really is there's been a couple of times that I've you know obviously there is gut feeling and sometimes you do just know but you know when you're just you feel it in your heart and you just you're emote you feel the emotions and just that emptiness in your stomach and you just know something isn't right. I've had that a couple of times in relationships when I've sensed that the other person was cheating or mm-hmm. there was, you know, something going going mm-hmm. going on and every single time I've been right mm-hmm. and I think that's because I just pick up on people's behaviour, difference in behaviour, their emotions so, so well mm-hmm. and... Even somebody, if I was to meet somebody that I didn't know yeah. tomorrow, I could probably read you very well. 100%. Yeah. Tell you what I found quite interesting as well was, especially going into my current relationship, 
What I was also doing, which I think may be also something that we have to deal with, not as ADHD, not having ADHD, but just in general, is that, say, because our gut feeling is so strong, um, and then we build up trauma around Mm. that, if something feels off and a change in pattern to that, like, with that other person we may then associate that with a scenario that's happened previously and then think that that's the same thing that's going on so I do often have to sit back and be and think is that my gut or is that just trauma am I trying to trick myself as well but I am with you on that one more often than not you know we do sense that something is off and then do you kind of experience that like fight or flight mode and you're like I need to get out I need to run so this was another thing that I would struggle with growing up quite a lot and I still did up until like I, I've tried to, to deal with it a lot better but even up until November this year I moved in with my partner and there was obviously a few like fine-tuning issues where you're just trying to work out living with somebody you know this is completely new and a few moments of I'm gonna run I want to go I just want to leave and that would be a pattern that happened growing up as well. Does it feel safer to leave? Does it feel like you're protecting yourself for leaving? Massively. And also, it it makes you... You can go into your safe space, like mm. you said, and you almost feel like then you don't have to rely on anybody else's emotions or any other... Nobody's going to hurt you if you leave. You was talking about masking Mm -hmm. when you was younger. Do you still mask? Yeah, I mean, not... I would say... Yes, not as much as potentially I have done in the past. Um, But still now, you know, there is an element of... I think because obviously opening up on social media about the ADHD, that wasn't easy, like... if people think that that was easy for me, that was awful. I I started a new business mentorship at the start of this year and I had a meeting with my mentor and she said, oh, you know, so what's your niche going to be? And I said, my niche is, you know, I do CrossFit, I want to get women strong, I want them to feel empowered, very similar to you, so we're quite aligned with that. And then we had a bit of banter, she's got like a very hyperactive form of ADHD and um she said there's your niche I said sorry (laughs) she said yeah you're gonna start putting that out on your page I said well you know for one yes I've I do so much research and yes from a you know a fitness and nutrition standpoint probably more knowledgeable than others but I'm not a psychiatrist you know she said yeah but there's millions of people raising awareness for x y and z out there you don't have to be qualified don't let that hold you back and then I felt like an absolute twat when I first started sharing about it like if you've got ADHD do this workout like what I was like what is going on I'm so embarrassed and then also embarrassed because like you said about the masking like I've spent all of my life a little bit you know it's not really something that you want to open. It wasn't like a trendy thing, you know? Like, I've seen a lot of people talk about now how ADHD is an identity, you know? People are saying that it's their identity. And yes, it probably seems like I'm plugging that at the moment, but 
it wasn't sort of something for me growing up where I thought, okay, yeah, I've got ADHD, that's who I am, ADHD Amy. Like, I was embarrassed by that, you know? Why was you embarrassed? I think just because of the stigma around it and the stigma around, you know... It's just not... I never used to think of it as, you know, you don't want to say to a guy I've got ADHD because it's not very sexy. Do you think part of it is... It's like you have to drop the mask. Yeah. You have to be vulnerable. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing, is being vulnerable with somebody about your flaws that you're already so hard on yourself about. And, like, I'm getting emotional now, and I can see that you're getting emotional, you know, because it's it is so hard. Honestly, Lois, it's so hard. Like, it's not... It's not, like... For me, it's not attractive when you have anger outbursts, you know? It's not attractive when you you get highly paranoid and you're you're jealous and you're, you know, you, all of the other things, your emotions. One day you are, like, literally the best girlfriend ever or the best, you know, friend ever and then the next day you, you just withdraw from yourself. Like, it's not easy and it's not... Like, you want to perceive to everybody and you want to perceive in your relationship that you're this go-getter, thriving woman that's absolutely amazing. And it's it's hard and it's not, you know, you don't want to get into a relationship. So, by the way, you know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> but you know what? For so long, I've been really harsh on myself for... You know, maybe the trait, the traits, the negative traits. Yeah. Right. But there's so many positive things about us, right? You know, ADHDers are creative. They're fun. They're spontaneous. They will do anything mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. You know, we are committed, 100%. You know, if you are our person, we'll do anything for you. You know, we'll definitely add a bit of spice and variety into your life. And we are so resilient. We never quit. We never quit. How do you manage your ADHD without medication? Okay, so this is an interesting one because if I was to turn around and say to somebody, or somebody said to me, somebody had said to me before, you just need to structure your day, I would say, (laughs) like, that's not... It's not easy. It's not as easy as that. Um, I would say managing it, so we'll talk about routine like after, but managing it, I obviously have to be very, very mindful, number one, of nutrition. So I found out a couple of months ago that I have gluten intolerance um, along with dairy intolerance a couple of other things and cutting those things out of my diet really helped me because these things obviously were causing a lot of brain fog a lot of you know poor digestion and ironically I mean I wouldn't say ironically because obviously they say that your gut is your second brain and your brain is connected to that so the more I improve my gut health the better it was helping me to concentrate which is you know the simplest of thing but it it really has helped me and then alongside that as we know regular exercise 
keeping activity levels high, but also shifting my mindset to how I looked at tasks and how I looked at dopamine and thinking, oh yeah, okay, I want to get dopamine from training 100%, but I also can't just rely on that as like an external source. I can't just look for short, sharp fixes for that. So trying to sort of rewire my mindset to, to look at things no matter what and look at it as a, as, you know, a challenge, but a fun challenge. I'm still in the process of doing that, by the way, because that's a mindset shift. But I would say that those are kind of like the, the not the quirky ones, but the less obvious ones. Um, and then alongside that, obviously, routine. So what I have noticed, and I'm still, this is something I never feel like anybody has 100% nailed. It'll always be changing and always be, you know, fine-tuning to your circumstance. But having certain things in my day, like I know that I have to wake up in the morning, get ready, I go straight out for a walk down to my the same coffee shop every single day. I'll get a coffee, me and my partner will walk down there, get my daylight, sunlight, no matter if it's, you know, even in the winter and it's dark. And then we walk back and then I start my day. That really helps. Another thing that I've established now is that I like to take calls for my job in the afternoon instead of in the morning because I need to have at least three hours of deep work, like deep workflow um, in the morning uh, to get myself into that, you know, concentration mode. So I would say having a, a loose structure to your day helps. Too much structure, you need to give yourself leeway because otherwise you're going to be frustrated if that doesn't actually go according to plan. But I would say also keeping my meal times quite consistent throughout the day as well. This is... Um the tricky thing though isn't it because as an ADHD you know that you need routine but then sometimes it can be hard to get into routine and get the clogs moving to get into a routine so I found something that's really helped me mm -hmm. is to be realistic mm -hmm. with my expectations because the amount of to-do lists planners diaries that I have bought and I have never used. Like the intention has been there, but I have never used. And I realised that I just need to keep it simple and not overwhelm myself. So I really like writing in... I do really like writing in a diary. Me too. And yeah. I find that works for me. Whereas I've tried a, like a couple of online schedulers. There's one called I think Motion that I tried, and I was like, yeah, I'm really gonna I'm gonna stick to this. But no, it was just too rigid for me. Mm -hmm. So I found I find that having a diary and just blocking out a few things mm -hmm. has really helped. I obviously use a Google Calendar still. Mm. I don't find, if you any coaches are watching this, I don't find Calendly very ADHD friendly. It stresses no, me out so much. Um, but that's obviously for scheduling appointments. But I do find Google Calendar is manageable. Um, like you, I've tried a few different apps before and then they just end up being apps on my phone taking up storage. Um, so I like to write down, I'll have um, I find that the more I can visualise, the better. So I'll make like a big two-page spread to-do list of like, you know, things that are for personal and things that are for work. But like you, Lois, I've definitely, in the past, I'd say three weeks especially, that mindset shift is where you need to be more so than, you know, like you said, being realistic about your expectations for that day because we're such overachievers and 
you know, we are high functioning human beings. So it's easy to tap into that and be like, I'm going to push that to its limit. But Mm. you want to go for longevity over a course of a month, not go hard one month, one day, and then be burnt out for three days after that. The amount of times that I've wrote a really long list of things Mm -hmm. to do and then ticked off a handful of them and then become frustrated with myself because I've not done the things that were on my to-do because when I was writing out the to-do I had every intention I was feeling great about it I was like yeah tomorrow is going to be the day and then it comes to the day and then maybe I've not allocated enough time maybe I've procrastinated a little Mm -hmm. bit maybe I've had a bit of time blindness and You know about that time Oh, blindness. yeah, that time blindness. Is and so then easy. as a result, I've not ended up doing the things that are on my to-do list and then I've just got frustrated mm-hmm. because or sometimes, you know, shit happens. Sometimes there might be a change in routine and I haven't been able to do things and I'm like, oh, I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. When obviously I'm not a failure, mm-hmm. I think the expectations that I was putting on myself were too high. So it's about making sure that the things that you're scheduling in, they're realistic, mm-hmm. they're manageable and they're not going to be something that is just going to completely completely overwhelm you and that kind of ties into the the scenario that i spoke about with the the dopamine hack where you're looking at things more so excited to do them because they're not overwhelming you because you've managed to figure out what tasks you can do in that day that because it's really important i feel like with adhd to do things that number one obviously you can achieve and you can complete but also things that make you feel good Mm. how is that task going how am I going to enjoy that task if it's too big for me not to enjoy that day then I should probably move it to the other day um what we may differ on this but I definitely have things on my to-do list that maybe I know that as long as they're done by the week I'm okay with that Mm. um and then I have things obviously that hopefully I do intend on ticking off that day as well you know so there's always two sides to it going back to what you were saying about nutrition Mm. I read a article the other day that was saying about sugar and caffeine being something that ADHDers should moderate because of that sugar is going to spike your insulin you're gonna get that dopamine hit from Mm -hmm. the sugar Mm -hmm. but you're going to come crashing down Mm -hmm. very quickly which is why prioritizing things like protein high protein diet Mm -hmm. making sure that you're prioritizing nutritiously dense foods that are full of vitamins and minerals Mm -hmm. and foods that are going to keep you fuller for longer rather than giving you those short bursts Mm -hmm. are more beneficial 100% um, there's a huge correlation between that and if you think about it right you're talking about something that's neuro neuro is brain neurological you know if you're not feeding the right receptors from your gut to your brain your brain is going to go a little bit haywire no matter if you have ADHD or not but just so happens we are more sensitive and more receptive to that so we like you said Lois you you definitely need to you know rethink what you're using to give you energy and yes, caffeine has its purpose. I am very, I, like, I can assure you, right, two years ago, I was in a, a very interesting place in my life. 
wasn't really managing ADHD. I didn't really know, like we spoke about, the things that were actually ADHD. I just thought I was there was something wrong with me. And then I also, alongside that, wasn't managing my nutrition very well. I was drinking a lot of energy drinks. I was, you know, eating the wrong foods. Obviously, always had some form of a healthy diet because of what we do and had the awareness there. But I was definitely having moments of, you know, eating a lot of sugar in abundance. And I would always, without fail, need a nap in the afternoon. Mm. Since managing my nutrition over the past year, I've not had to have a nap in the afternoon unless I'm overstimulated or unless, like, dealing with hormones today, you know, feeling very low in energy. But... Yeah, eating a high-protein diet, I would say, you know, with caffeine, yes, 100%. We don't need caffeine to keep us awake is a very different scenario for us. So I know now that if I have two coffees before, like, 1pm, that's my cut-off now. You know, I will not touch caffeine past that. Um, Caffeine sensitivity for me is definitely something quite quite a lot and then with the the refined sugar yeah the the it's not until you make that switch that you realize that you know your concentration is much better and yeah i i yes i like sugar yes i like chocolate you know we all do you know but i take feeling more focused and more clear-headed and having balanced energy levels over eating a bag of sweets any day yeah and i think it comes down to your priorities like you know how you feel when maybe you eat a lot of those things so I guess it's weighing up what's important to you like what's important having that instant sugar rush or having more energy more focus feeling better in yourself and not getting that crash Mm -hmm. you know which can be hard to decide in the moment especially Mm -hmm. if you are wanting some sweets you know and not saying by any means to cut out those foods but you kind of have to weigh it up and and ask yourself you know what's what's worth it for you Mm -hmm. alcohol (laughs) do you drink barely ever now like once in blue moon how does it affect you heightened anxiety symptoms worse in the next day obviously this is i think this is the topic that a lot of people may people may watch this and think oh yeah everybody goes through this everybody has and it's true it is the case and like like obviously we're not saying that you know what us as people with adhd go through other people may not go through that Mm. as well but like we go back to the whole sensitivity thing for us um so yeah like the next day anxiety is really heightened um can't articulate you know what I'm doing brain fog uh, just and then I've again craving like foods that aren't good sleep has not been good all of the things that I am an advocate for going on a night out and getting absolutely smashed does not benefit me at all I get a lot of brain fog a lot of brain fog and the next day I'm like a zombie I just, I'm like a zombie and actually it affects me for a couple of days now. It's not just the day after, it's the day after that. And it makes me feel super low, like super, super low. Yeah. And I think like dopamine potentially connection there, but it definitely makes me feel quite paranoid as well. Mm. Um, Like you said, low in mood and just feeling like the whole, because I sometimes have these moments as well where 
I can still have low moments where I feel like the whole world is closing in on me and I don't, you know, I feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. So if I'm insinuating that, well, not insinuating, what would the word be? If I'm, you know, making that happen with alcohol, then I'm kind of being my own worst enemy. Was there ever a point in your life that you drank quite a lot of alcohol? So, interestingly, considering ADHD has a correlation with substance abuse, the only time I was really drinking a lot of alcohol was when I was in uni. And I went to a dance school for the first two years of my university degree, and then I moved to a third year in an actual university. So I really only had a year of full-on drinking and then I worked in a bar that again promoted that kind of lifestyle um so I would say yes but it wasn't like the darkest moments in my life haven't been stemmed to alcoholism what about you yeah I would say when I was traveling Mm. I drank a lot I drank a lot in uni Mm. If I really reflect on the times in my life when I was drinking a lot of alcohol, it was because I felt like I needed them to come out of my shell or to be seen as fun because I have struggled with a bit of social anxiety throughout my life and especially when I was younger in school not fitting in and not really kind of, I guess, not being able to, I felt, speak up in a room of people. Mm -hmm. I would always go quite quiet if I was Mm -hmm. with a group. If I'm in a group setting, I can be quite quiet. So for me, alcohol would make me relax. It would make me come out of my shell. It would make me a bit more bubbly. And I used alcohol because I felt like I needed it to be more bubbly or be more extroverted or be more liked. Mm. And that is, if I really reflect on the times in my life, that's why I would drink quite a lot of alcohol. Interesting. Whereas now, I would say I've built up a lot more confidence in myself that I can be more social in situations like that so I don't necessarily need alcohol Mm -hmm. but I prioritize feeling good in myself over drinking a lot of alcohol and you know that's no shade to anyone that does drink because you know that's your life and you do you but I know for me if I drink a lot of alcohol that's going to affect me for the next day and the next day and then I'm not going to be able to do the things that I want to do. I'm not going to exercise. I'm not going to I'm not going to feel up to going on my walk. I'm I might feel more likely to indulge in less nutritious foods which aren't actually going to make me feel that great. And then for days after, I'm probably going to feel a little bit out of routine. My sleep's going to be shit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and don't get me wrong, there are times that I will still drink. But I feel like Sometimes it's because I feel like I have to, because it's like if you don't drink, you're seen as a boring one. 
Yeah, and I can relate to the social anxiety side of things. Um, interestingly, when I was, say, we're talking about pre-COVID now, I think because I was so conditioned to live in London, go to all of these influencer events, I was going here, there and everywhere, I was very, very used to being like a social butterfly. And then it wasn't until I had that period of time where I, I wasn't, I realised that I'm actually way more of an introvert than an extrovert. Um, and I've never really honoured that side of me, you know. And then that's really interesting what you said about the, you know, feeling the need to drink alcohol. Because what I have noticed now, and this is why as well, the, another thing that I've understood about having ADHD and how I am as a person is that who I bother with is very important. Because if I'm in a group of people that I feel very overstimulated by, if I have alcohol and I will not feel comfortable in that situation I will drink more to make myself feel comfortable a bit like what you said about you know feeling relaxed feeling like you mm. need to to be and because we get so I get very drained very easily from social situations um we'll have to go to the bathroom intermittently you know just to have a moment <laughs> it's so funny I was um <laughs> the other day at a social gathering and myself and a couple of the others that were there and we all laid on the bed and we just went oh, social batteries just drained and we all just like laid there on the bed and we were like right we just need to recharge you know sometimes you just need to just take a second and just you just need to like breathe and then you can come back in and you know but it it can just be i think Sometimes those social situations require a lot of mental capacity and especially if you're not naturally an extrovert, maybe you might mask your symptoms by making com more conversation than you would do naturally. But then because you're masking, you might feel exhausted from having to continuously make that conversation and... Mm be engaged which might not come naturally which is something that I'm really struggling to come to terms with because I love to chat to people like I love to find out more about people I love to have conversations you know I thrive off of this Me you know too. I thrive off this of this nice and I thrive off of people's yeah. energy but it doesn't come naturally to me being somebody that's chatty and talkative, it doesn't come naturally. So sometimes I have to put a little bit more energy into it mm -hmm. than normal. So that, you know, taking yourself out of the room or taking yourself off to the bathroom where you're just literally like, whew, I just need to take a second and just recharge. That's because, like you said, you're overstimulated. Maybe you're feeling a bit overwhelmed. And it's a situation that you're not, naturally comfortable in so i remember i went to dubai two years ago um with a group of people i flew on my own that's another story for another day as to who i went with but anyways i was with a group of people that i didn't know we were drinking all day at a brunch as you know with dubai you know um so that's also not obviously going to help with you know how i am as a person we're drinking all day and then we went to somebody's house in the evening continue to drink I remember I was talking to somebody complete stranger didn't even know them and I just burst out into floods of tears 
and they were like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm okay. But I was just exhausted because of how drained I was from keeping up this. Because the, the irony is, right, it is technically you as a person because you are fun, happy-go-lucky person. But if that's not actually, say, the minute that you're born, you're meant to be like that. But because of, obviously, the ADHD and stuff like that, like, you end up being this person and the more that people expect you to be this person it's like a vicious cycle so then if that's not actually naturally you it's almost like your body is going to fight against that Mm. Uh, so it it is even more draining because there's pressure there so you're going to rise to that pressure and then it's like just building 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 and like for myself I definitely yeah I definitely found that well, I still find now that, for instance, we have very similar energy levels. I feel very comfortable talking to you, feel very comfortable talking to me. But if I was around somebody that potentially potentially even had undiagnosed ADHD and is very eccentric, very high, like a lot of, like just a lot, I would find that very hard to be around because I would absorb all of that and then I'd need to go up to that level. Mm. And I envy people that can stay at our level around those people. It feels like a bit of a a power dynamic, doesn't it, though? I think... Would you say you're... You you just said you're more naturally introverted, didn't you? Definitely an introverted extrovert. Because like you, I, I do enjoy talking to people. And I enjoy... Being, I love conversation like I as much as you know even coming here today I was out of my routine I felt a little bit anxious because last night my hair took three and a half hours to do <laughs> my extension girl's fantastic Stacey you're great but um <laughs> but I was like normally after a Monday full-on work I would come home I would like reply to client messages do a bit of work in the evening but my my routine felt a little bit off so I was anxious but as soon as I'm here I'm like ha huh, I'm really happy mm. and I know I'll go away from this now feeling really good um so I know that when I do these things it does help but I think for instance I know that my partner can socialize he we were at a wedding in Kenya he was loving life I was like leaving him I was like great you you stay I'm just gonna go to the hotel room and have a moment yeah and then he's like fine the next day and that's what I would necessarily I would say is an extrovert Mm. whereas for me I will be, but I'll need to, I'll, I'll get overwhelmed like that. You need to recharge yeah. you, your batteries. Something else that I find helps me to manage my ADHD is to try and manage stress levels. Stress. Yes. Stress. We feel, we feel that stress. So through exercise, through things like walking, being with nature... I've started meditating as well. Don't get me wrong, I'm not sat on a cushion yet, closing my eyes. I'm listening to the meditation when I'm on my walk, which I'm finding is, you know, really useful for my brain. I would love to be somebody that could sit still with their candles, eyes closed. Like, I really wish I could, but I'm too fidgety, so I have to listen to the meditation on my walk. you're walking. So just things like that and managing sleep because, you know, if your sleep is shit, the next day you're probably going to be out of routine. You're probably not going to exercise. You're probably going to make different decisions with your nutrition. 
and it's just going to affect your overall mood and energy levels Mm -hmm. so sleep I think is a really really important one sleep is so important and it's not something that as well for us can come easy when it comes to like a sleep pattern and sleep routine a lot of people with ADHD do struggle with this as well um and I think that yeah it nailing that sleep routine can be quite hard absolutely gutted because the conversation cut out here with Amy so I'm going to do my best to fill in the gaps for the rest of the conversation having a sleep routine can really help your health and immune system you know having good sleep hygiene can have benefits and positive effects on your food choices and your exercise the next day and your stress levels so having a bedtime consistently every day or waking up the same time every day can help with a consistent routine it can also help to make sure that you're maintaining enough sleep who's guilty of going on their phone and scrolling on TikTok or Instagram before they go to bed. I know that I've definitely been there at one point. I remember I was scrolling Instagram um, and TikTok till like 2, 3 p.m. You know what it's like when you get lost on TikTok, you can just end up getting lost scrolling. So I actually got myself out of that habit and deleted the app because I, I was like, I, this, I can't be doing this. I can't be going to bed this late. But just making sure that you're winding down before bed, making sure that you're prioritising your sleep, making sure you're prioritising your routine can benefit your stress levels. As well as getting creative. So by doing things that you enjoy and things that make you feel good and get those creative, get your creative thoughts flowing can help manage stress. So I know for me, when I'm in my creative flow of editing the podcast or if I'm creating content that's something that I enjoy you know especially when I'm doing my photography I'm with clients that's something that I love and that's an outlet for me that helps me to get creative and reduce my stress so something that you enjoy whatever it is that you like to to be creative or whatever it is that you like to do make sure that you're prioritizing those things. It can be very easy to just be on a hamster wheel and just, you know, work, sleep, eat, gym, repeat, but make sure that you're finding time to fit in things that you enjoy. The last thing that we discussed was supplements. Now, neither of us are doctors, so if you have any concerns about taking supplements, make sure that you consult your doctor before doing so. These were just supplements that we have found have worked for us. So omega-3 can really help with focus, boosting cognitive skills, just general all-round brain health. Omega-3 is something that I've been taking recently and I feel like I've definitely noticed a difference. Zinc. So zinc is shown to reduce hyperactivity and impulsivity. And there is a correlation between low levels of zinc, which can cause inattention. Magnesium is something that can help relax individuals with ADHD and calm a busy brain. Magnesium is something that I've been taking for a while now. And I haven't just been taking it for my ADHD symptoms. I've been taking it for my PMS symptoms because I've found that especially 
around the time that I'm due on my period, it makes my ADHD symptoms worse. So magnesium has been something that has helped manage that as well as fighting against fatigue. At this point, Amy and I wrapped up the pod. So I want to finish by saying a thank you to Amy for her knowledge and for being so vulnerable on her struggles with ADHD. If you haven't already checked out her Instagram, head over to it now. It's amybfit underscore and give her a follow. She's incredible. She's sharing so, so much information to help people with ADHD. So you'll be missing out if you don't go and have a look. Thank you, Amy. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll chat to you in the next one. Mm -hmm.